Three dumb ways homeowners waste money every month. So home ownership is often referred to as the American dream. Pretty easy to understand why your home is your place and no one else's. But home ownership can really mess with your cash flow in addition to the mortgage payment. You're looking at the cost of repairs and maintenance, including yard work, higher utilities, than you may be used to paying and likely the need to furnish additional rooms. All that can leave a person fairly cash poor, especially if you're wasting money without even knowing it. Fortunately, a few savvy and simple tactics could save you thousands of dollars. By the way, this is 40inbox.com where we help you master your money and we do financial commentary on personal finance related articles. So if you like this sort of thing, stay tuned for more because we try to do this almost every day. Number one, letting home repairs suck your savings dry. Getting a place of their own is a dream held by millions. But getting that home isn't the end of the story. Now you have to take care of this essential asset when the fridge dies or the heating cooling system starts acting up. It's up to you, not a landlord, to fix things. And here's the thing. A lot of people want to like diss about, oh, you know, renting versus home ownership. Here's the reality. Unless you are going to live in a the same place, right, the same area, for more than five years, you should not be buying a house, right? What I mean by this, let's say, for example, that you or your spouse works for the military. Thus, you basically really never really know where you are going to move to and sometimes what country you're even going to move to right? So like, for example, if you were in that military type of situation, what it would be better for you to do is use the housing allowance that you get for from the military and spend that money on an apartment close to the actual place where you're working, the base that you're actually working at. And the reason why you want to rent during this time it's because there's just so much transition all the time. Like there's so much uncertainty all the time. So why would you end up buying something where you may not stay there long enough for you to actually turn a profit with that house? Not to mention, you are fully responsible with taking care of whatever breaks on the house. But if you're renting like a location, like an apartment, or you could even rent a house, right? The landlord is responsible for the things that break as long as it's just not your fault, right? So just keep that in mind. A lot of times people really diss on renting a place, but sometimes, depending on your personal finance situation, renting a home might actually make way more sense to you it might actually be cheaper for you because of how short of a term that you're actually going to be spending there. Let's see. So the cost of those fixes can be scary high. According to Realtor.com, homeowners should budget up to 4% of the purchase 
price every year for home repair and maintenance. So the average sale price for a U.S. home was $453,300 in the third quarter of 2021. And on average, then, that means spending as much as $18,000 a year to keep their investment in good shape. And that's a lot of money to be budgeting for home repairs. Like, really? Like, I mean, for the most part, you know if something's, like, kind of like on its last legs and you can start saving up for that specific item. Now, also, when something ends up coming by, that's like an emergency that needs to be fixed. Well, guess what? That's what an emergency fund is for. And the emergency fund is three to six months of your monthly expenses. And typically, that would be way more than enough to pretty much pay for whatever house emergency that you would end up having. Not to mention, you have house insurance. Now, they could also budget as little as blah, 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 blah. So this is like a home warranty like affiliate link, which I'm not going to mention. So you'd still be on the hook for stuff like painting the trim, mowing the lawn, mind you, but a home warranty will cover big ticket items like plumbing, appliances, heating, cooling, and your home's electrical system. If something goes wrong, you file a claim by phone or online, and AFC sends out a service tech. You could also decide to choose your own. Once the claim is approved, the technician will repair or replace the item. No waiting until the next business day. Either AFC provides 24-7 service. The problem with a lot of home warranties is that they know that they're going to be making money off you. Like a lot of these like warranty things, they know that they're going to make a profit off of you, period. Right? So it would actually just be cheaper for you to pay out of pocket typically. Number two, losing $1,400 a year on auto insurance. Next to your home, your car is likely the most expensive item you'll buy. According to the Kelly Blue Book, the average cost of a new car in 2021 was just over $46,000. The average cost of a new car. That's crazy when you think about it. Especially since like the average income for a U.S. household is like what, 50-something? 60-something? Like that's just insane. And it's likely you'll need to buy five or six cars during your lifetime, if not more. Personally, I like to buy a car and then just like run it into the ground, basically. So auto insurance is mandated in most states. Most? It's not all? That's crazy. No way. That's crazy. I could have sworn auto insurance was actually like forced in every single state. I thought it was completely illegal for a state, well, like for someone to like not be driving with insurance. That is insane. Oh wow! So two, there's two that actually don't require it. You'd be foolish not to protect such an expensive possession. Now here's the thing, right? Auto insurance is very good to have, especially like the best insurance that you could pretty much technically afford. And the reason why I say this is because all it takes is one mishap, one accident, and 
you could end up raking up like a $1 million claim, right? That you are on the hook for. And if you only pay for like a $10,000 insurance policy, you're screwed. You are 100% screwed. That's why typically it's a good idea to get like a policy that would pay up to like a hundred thousand plus, two hundred thousand plus, three hundred thousand dollars plus worth of potential damages and all that kind of stuff, just to like protect yourself, right? Because you never know what might happen, and it's always better to pay a little bit extra just for more coverage to make it safer for yourself, right? For like this is like a completely selfish reason, right? To protect yourself, you probably want to lean more to like a better insurance option and this person's pushing progressive and all that kind of stuff through like an affiliate link so less money doesn't mean less value progressive is known for great protection blah, 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 blah. number three submitting to credit card ripoffs contrary to popular belief a high credit card balance isn't always due to careless spending so plenty of people find themselves up to their hairlines and debt blah 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 your credit card company doesn't care that the pandemic destroyed your small business, that you were hit by a car, or that your spouse blindsided you with divorce papers and emptied the bank account on the way out the door. The credit card issuer will keep charging the same high interest rates whether your debt resulted from righteous living or seriously bad luck. Fact is, you do owe the money, but why pay a bruisingly high interest rate until it's paid off? So I guess you could apply for like a personal loan. And I would not really do the whole personal loan situation. Like what I would do if I had a high interest credit card with a high balance, right? I would see if like my bank or some other financial institution would be willing to offer me like a one to two year zero interest credit card balance transfer now this is not always that great of an option it's really only a viable option if during the time that it has given you you could pay off the full balance of the debt amount that you would actually be transferring over to that new credit card and that's really the only way that is actually truly viable, right? And it's not an option that a lot of people can do or should do because a lot of the times, the majority of the time, you are end up charged a pretty big fee to do it. Like anywhere from like one to like think even 5% or even just like one to like, I think even like $4,000 potentially to transfer the amount of money depending on the balance of the credit card accounts that you're actually going to be transferring onto this new credit card, right? So it might be actually really expensive for you to actually end up doing it. Or you might not even have the money to even initiate the thing, right? So it's really only for a very specific scenario where it would actually make sense. But again, you know, everyone's financial situation is personal. So you might be in that personal situation where transferring all your different credit card balances 
might be viable to transfer to this new credit card for one to two years and completely pay off the whole amount of debt as fast as possible, even if you're charged like a fee to do so, right? Because the minimum payments that you're paying on your credit cards right now might be too high for you to end up actually dealing with it at the moment, right? And I'm just saying that's an option. It's not necessarily what you should do. It's just an option that is viable in specific scenarios, right? By the way, if you want to learn how to get out of debt and master your money, go to 40inbox.com. And again, stay tuned for more financial commentary. We do this all the time reading financial articles.